Welcome back to Extra Ginger, the very best podcast on earth. I'm your host, Annie. It is currently January 3rd, 2023, so Happy New Year to any and all. Wishing many, 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 many good things for all of us. Um, I know I say this like literally every time I record, but I know it's been a while. Um, thanks for the patience. I wanted to give a little update on season 25 of Extra Ginger. Um, I know I started off being very excited about the rebranding of scripted episodes and how um, it would be more structured and intentional and meaningful and um, less of me rambling. (laughs) But it's not working out. It's just not. It's not good for me. Um, I... For many reasons that probably are not interesting, um, I just wasn't having fun anymore. And I think it's important to have fun in any project that you do, whether it be professional or personal. Um, Yeah, so the vibe for these newer episodes is more tapas and tableside rants, if not exclusively tapas and tableside rants. Wanna make it right? Wanna get a no and we can go and party every night. Um, so yeah. Excited for more fun, more action, more drama um, in this new year. So buckle up, get ready to rumble, and let's get started. Where the hell have you been? Waiting. For what? For this. So yes, welcome back to Extra Ginger, the very best pod on earth. I'm your host, Annie, and today we have a Top Us the Morning segment of Extra Ginger for you, which is inspired by Spanish small plate appetizers, um, where we deliver bite-sized doses of life so we can revel. (laughs) Um, Okay, so first thing on the menu is flexibility. Recently, very heavily big in love with flexibility. I uh, am a huge fan of structure as well. I love having a plan, a blueprint. Um, But I also have recently started to appreciate much more the mm, versatility of including movable parts in your structure. So for example, like something comes up but you have another open window of time later where you can just do the thing that you were gonna do earlier. Um, I think this is a really beautiful part of, one, productivity, which I used to hate talking about, but it can actually be very satisfying for me to make good use of the time in my day. And it was not a big deal. Um, And I think that's part of building like trust in yourself, I guess, to be capable and um, to be able to handle things no matter what it is. 
and I've found that accounting for flexibility or interchangeable parts or movable parts um, in like not just a daily schedule but in life is really uh, helpful and fun and again satisfying so highly recommend 11 out of 10 and I think the biggest benefit is that having a um, flexibility or interchangeability accounted for um, in my schedule is that it takes a lot of weight off the decision making and so like part of the reason why I like to plan so much is because I don't like making decisions on the spot especially ones that are time sensitive um, I like to think about it <laughs> um, and I mean it's not the same for everything like with food or with aesthetic preferences I know what I want so I can pick it out pretty easily but things that depend on other people or things that are kind of undecided or um, are interconnected with different moving facets is I don't know it always feels like a knot to me that needs to be untied and straightened out <laughs> um, so I like having this balance of structure and flexibility because it allows me to not think about decisions um, and it also allows me to make less heavy decisions if things do need to change, which I think is really, really useful. Um, of course, there's always a risk, right, with uh, leaving mm, spaces in a plan like that. Um, but I really like surprises. <laughs> so I think the opposite of risk um, or the benefit of risk is that sometimes you get a nice surprise. Um, so that actually segues really nicely into our second item on the menu, which is surprise versus risk, another balance situation. Um, I am deeply, heavily, big in love with surprises. I cannot, I, I just, there's something about like not knowing what's gonna happen and then uh, like processing information in real time, I guess, is just really exciting to me. Um, like reacting and and anticipation and um, ah, I'm getting like excited just thinking about it. I just love surprises. The downside of loving surprises is that you get disappointed <laughs> because the expectation is so high. Like sometimes I get envious of other people that hate surprises because they never get surprised and they never get disappointed because every surprise is bad to them. And so a good surprise just completely flips the whole situation around. Uh, but for me, it's opposite. A bad surprise completely flips the whole situation around. So because I think it's unnecessary for me to tone down my love of surprises, I've instead um, upped my tolerance or I'm trying to up my tolerance for surprise disappointment. And I've been trying to do that by thinking about how uncertainty is like abundant and everywhere. And I don't know, I, I don't think it's necessary to uh, 
like erase disappointment. I think disappointment is a emotion and I think it keeps people realistic. And so I don't think disappointment is bad per snaps, but I think it is useful to be acclimated to disappointment and to not take it so much into my body. Uh, and I think I'm honestly a lot better at it. Um, for example, I went to a Mavs game recently and I didn't watch any games before because I just didn't, I wanted to be surprised. <laughs> and I was heavily disappointed. Um, I, the Mavs are not a good team right now. Like. Luca doesn't have any support. It's just not. It's sloppy play. I am further saddened <laughs> by the fact that we don't have the room to be making plays. It seems like we're just kind of, you know, holding on for dear life, which is really sad, really sad to watch, um, especially with Luca there. Uh, but it's okay because. I was a two-team girl anyway, so now we can fully transition into 80-20 split in favor of the Celtics, which are doing incredibly well. I am so proud of my boys. They're so beautiful and in sync and wonderful, and they make good plays, and they love each other, and they listen to each other, and they look out for each other, which is, I think, really endearing. Like, this is how the Mavs could have been right is when they like when the other team gets a steal and we happen to take it back and we pass it back to the person that the ball was stolen from and they make the shot that's called looking out for your teammates it's a redemption arc and it's beautiful and I love to see it but yeah going to see the game was fun but also majorly disappointing as I thought the team was much much better I genuinely felt heartbroken over it um, and I'm completely over it now. It's fine. Also, thanks to the Celtics. Thank you so much um, to our coach and our team. Oh, my God. Peyton Pritchard going off. Love that man. Sam Hauser is doing great. Um, of course, classic Tatum-Smart-Brown combo. Williams is about to come back up. Um, Grant Williams, of course, is also always... Fun to see play. Um, so yeah, good things all around. Really proud of my boys. And again, a nice segue into our third item on the menu, which is general NBA joy. The NBA is amazing. And I continue to fall deeply, 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 deeply infatuated with every passing day. I mean, I think the organization as a whole is just so exciting and riveting to follow up with and keep up with and watch and the energy and the drama at the in-person games is truly unmatched I don't know if this is because I'm a Celtics fan or if it's like this at every game but I mean oh I I dream of courtside so manifesting that for uh, me and my friends, courtside seats in the near future to a good game, preferably a Celtics game. Um, 
would take a Warriors game. The Nuggets, the Nuggets are also really nice. I was talking with my friend Derek about how we both want um, Jokic to do well. He is such a big man, but I do love watching him play. So, yeah, Jokic, keep it up. Keep at it. We believe in you. Um, who else would I would love to see play? Um, or was it someone else who was on the Raptors? I don't know. I haven't been following <laughs> any other teams, admittedly, uh, besides the Celtics. But, yeah, NBA is great. The other reason why I love it so much is because the other things that are a part of the NBA are so well crafted to me. Like, the stadiums, they're the perfect, perfect balance of, like, extra and... I don't, know, I don't know if that's really lame to be talking about, but I just love the balance of, like, extravagance and uh, – it's not extravagant, but, like, um, flashy. I love the balance of flashy and practical at the stadiums, especially the Boston one. It's in the middle of the city. Oh, the lights are so bright, but inside it's it's a dream. It's a dream. Um, and I think the biggest thing is that there's just endless – content like there's so much going on and there's also a balance of consistency so you get to follow the same players and the same teams and coaches and management and rules and all this stuff like the play-in tournament I remember when that was a new thing um so yeah I I <laughs> I'm just a continuous fan of the NBA and shout out to my friend Derek for Introducing me, bringing me up to speed, being my sensei and mentor in this um, in this stage. Big shout-outs to you. Wouldn't have done it without you. Um, but, yeah, that brings us to the end of this tapas episode. So we'll start to close it out. Welcome back to Extra Ginger, the closing ceremonies, which is done in two phases. Phase one is part of a mini rebrand, um, <laughs> admittedly, mostly so I can just remember what this first phase is. Um, but the new phase is um, called Reality Check, where we talk a little bit about current events because I think it's important to um, be informed on just things that are happening um, and I know everyone's feed is different so um, most recently and not covering all of the time since the last episode but most recently um, Twitter has gone through many uh, ups and downs um, I'm glad that I had curated my feed uh, like I think like so many months ago probably like a year ago um, so I only see like artists and everything. Oh, with artists. Oh my God. Uh, AI art is awful, horrible, horrendous, an abomination to humankind. And I will seriously, genuinely judge you if you use AI art. Like it's not okay. Um, AI art is a scary, frightening, never should have happened event in our timeline. 
I'm sure it's from the dark timeline because AI art is just, I, the gist is that we now have uh, progressed or regressed maybe um, into using machine learning in the creative world, which means you can either build, okay, so a little bit of preface about machine learning is that it's basically like a black box of predictions. So you put something in, it learns uh, relationships between this amount of data that you put into it and um, depending on user's choice, you define inputs and outputs so that the algorithm can make predictions on the data that you give it. So it's very heavily dependent on one, the data that you give, and two, the structure that you define. So for example, if you want to give it um, data on an elementary school's age and location, and it can predict based on a bunch of these different elementary schools, maybe um, if you give it an age and a location, it can uh, predict what school you're trying to find, something like that. Okay, so in the context of art, what people have been doing is feeding these algorithms a bunch of pictures, which it can use image recognition on, and um, basically rebuild the same picture that you give to it, to the algorithm. So um, this is kind of like, um, I guess those like FBI or like CSI shows where you kind of have like a blurry image and the computer is able to rebuild a more clear image of whatever you are trying to um, get at based on what it knows previously about, okay, if there's a darker space here and a lighter space next to it, it probably means that these two objects are separate or if the contrast is really high, then maybe this is um, like a brightly flash lit kind of situation, or if the contrast is really low and the brightness is really low, maybe this is nighttime, something like that, right? So in the art space, this means feeding a bunch of people-made art, human-made art, which requires creativity, training, skills, practice, dedication, commitment, I mean, all the things that we all know makes an artist an artist, it takes a long time. Like, it, good things just take time, period. And artists, to me, are one of the most good things to ever come in our world, no matter what you create. If you're an artist of some kind, I don't care what medium you deal in, you're one of the best things to ever happen in this world. <laughs> um, so... The fact that people have made computer algorithms to basically back calculate what real humans have been doing for thousands of years um, is really scary. And it's scary because we live in a business driven world. And so it'd be cool if we could, you know, recreate a bunch of Monet paintings like that'd be cute but people are gonna wanna sell them. And it's not gonna take away from Monet because respectfully, he's dead, but it's gonna take away from artists that are still alive, trying to make a career and more importantly, a living off a field that is already notorious 
for being hard to succeed in, not because of the amount of skill or creativity or uh, not for any obstacle that is overcome by brute force, for obstacles that are unfair, as life is, I know, but I feel personally wronged by AI art, even though I cannot draw, but I just, I, I don't feel that it's right. Um, and it makes me irrationally livid. And I just really urge everyone to not use it. Like just don't use AI art. It's not good for artists. It's not good for our world in general. And I can only hope that it fades out, um, period. <laughs> like I just, oh, AR art is not good. And if you use it, I will be putting you on my uh, list, capital L. So that's that. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I think that'll close out our reality check. I don't want to ramble on too long about it. Um, so we can move into phase two of closing ceremonies, which is our palette cleanser. Um, and I think I'm going to keep this no matter what type of episode we have. I think I only wanted to use it for like scripted episodes um, originally. But yeah, no matter what, I think it's important to send everyone off on a good note. Um, so for this week's palette cleanser... Related to the uh, Twitter downfall and reality check, I guess, is that um, Andrew Tate, I won't explain who he is, you can use Google, um, was recently arrested for human trafficking, um, among other crimes, probably. Um, I think it's actually the Tate brothers. But I love this story because Greta Thunberg is a um, climate change activist from Sweden. And she's very young. Let me check her age. Um, I'm pretty sure it's in the teens. But yeah, she was born. Oh, she just turned 20. She was born in. Oh, today's her birthday. Happy birthday, Greta. Oh, my gosh. How exciting. Um, wow. We love alignment. <laughs> Happy birthday, Greta. Okay. Um, so Miss Greta is 20 today. Exactly. Um, January 3rd. And her climate activism has um, gained a lot of momentum, kept a lot of momentum, and I admire Greta a lot. Um, just to give some context, she is one of Time's 100 most influential people. She's the youngest Time person of the year, and she's been in Forbes's list of 100, the world's 100 most powerful women um, in 2019. And I didn't know this, but I think one of the most notable accomplishments is that she has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize four consecutive years in a row, 19, 20, 21, and 22, which I think is makes my heart burst. Um, Greta, you're doing amazing and we love you endlessly. So Greta's connection to um, Andrew Tate is that Andrew Tate had said something nasty to Greta on Twitter and she graciously and succinctly replied, completely demolishing him, dragging him through the mud for all he is worth, graciously but also intensely. <laughs> 
It was beautiful. And um, Andrew Tate decided to respond um, in a childish, petty way. I didn't watch whatever he replied with. I think it was a video. Um, But basically, um, true or not true, this tweet back to Greta coincided with his arrest. (laughs) People said that it was because in the video there was like pizza boxes from a local chain and that allowed the authorities to, I don't know, triangulate his position or whatever, I guess, um, and figure out where he was and arrested him. But regardless of whether or not that's true, I just think it's beautiful that this series of interactions where he tragically, humiliatingly um, failed at embarrassing a now 20-year-old, not teenage anymore, but a 20-year-old climate change activist, which, I mean, I don't care about understanding what type of person you have to be to attack a 20-year-old who is trying to raise awareness and do something tangible and real about the climate change crisis that we're currently in. Um, I just don't care what type of person you have to be to to think that's a good use of your time. Um, But I do care a lot about seeing things play out karmically, um, which I think this was so great. Just so, so, so wonderful. And Greta, you've set a wonderful, iconic, revolutionary example for not just young girls, but everyone everywhere all the time. In one, how you should respond to uglies um, that are inconsiderate, bad humans in general. And two, how much good you can do from limiting the time that you think about people like that. Um, I think in the last episode that I released, it was, I was bashing, like, something on the internet. I think, like, the Amber Heard trial, Angelina Jolie, etc. Um, and... Yeah, related to this like Greta Andrew palate cleanser thing, I think it's good to just not involve yourself, the plural yourself, um, in um, other people's business, especially how they spend their time on the internet. Um, I think the internet, again, is a vast, wild, unpredictable, ever-changing place. Um, And I realize that it's useless to care uh, how other people are spending their time on it or with it or without it (laughs) Um, because things will happen anyway and of course I think it's important to talk about good social practices online Um, and I think the Greta story was a really good example of how good things will happen anyway like yeah bad things happen but also good things um and staying on path and focusing and dedicating energy and heart to people and things that are trying to make the world better instead of spending too much time in the corners where people are not concerned about whether or not the world is better. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) 
I guess that's the end of the episode. Um, thank you, Miss Greta, for your service and services. Keep at it. Um, cheers to the new year, to having fun, to carving out um, – Sorry, I'm going to get a little emotional for a second. I was having a, um, like a, I don't know, content conversation, I guess. And we were talking about how it's important to, like, put your stuff out there so people can see it. But how it's also important to stay aligned with your core concepts and to not stray from what you want your work to be. Because I think that's what sets uniqueness is the intention and um, following through on making sure whatever you're making, creating, um, is one, something that you're proud of, and two, something that you can pour into and receive something back. Not in a transactional way, but in like a life source way, if that makes sense. Um, like I think it's important, especially in creative work, to to have fun. Yeah, just have fun. So yes, cheers to the new year, to having fun, and to uh, not using AI art. Seriously, do not be using AI art. Like I, I, oh, don't do it. <laughs> um, and as always, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you soon.